Yum yum! No, yum yum yum! Diminishing returns! Chikunuau, Alan! <laughs> Hello. Chikunuau, Sol! We are the E E E E E Ewoks. That was Calvin Dyson, who just introduced his fellow Diminishing Returns co-hosts. Hello, this is Calvin. Did you actually learn Ewok to do that? Uh, no, did I, hell. Did it sound convincing? <laughs> is is there a real Ewok language? Is it like Klingon and they map this out? I know Hutties is a real, well, a real language. It is a language that Benber made up. Uh... But um yeah, no, I don't think Ewok is, but I'm I'm sure there are people out there who know what nyub nyub means and these things. Isn't isn't Yeah, isn't yub yub like isn't yub yub like I am Groot and it basically means whatever the character wants it to mean in any given moment based <laughs> oh. on its reflection. Oh, I don't know. Hmm. Well perhaps. they say it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> they do, they say it an awful lot. And uh, yeah. we today we're talking about the Ewok made for TV films, uh, Caravan of Courage, and Battle for Endor. Um, why are we Why are we doing the Ewoks of all? Because of all you the refused films? us to do um, the Last Jedi, which would have been much more. No, I didn't. Fun. Yeah, you did. I want to talk about the Last Jedi. <laughs> well, me too. And why aren't we doing that, that? Alan? This was you, wasn't it. it? You forced us to do these Ewok films because you loved them me. so much. Yeah, it was me. Hang on, we've talked about The Last Jedi. I thought we decided that it would make sense to discuss The Last Jedi going into episode 9. You're trying to make out that this is some kind of democracy and it isn't, Sol. You know that. You're a tyrant. (laughs) (laughs) Only one shark film, no Last Jedi. It's just, it's it's madness here. I'm I'm trapped, listeners, I'm trapped. We do constant shark films and I just make (laughs) sarky comments about it. I don't stop you. (laughs) We both watched these uh, films for this recording, I'm assuming. Yeah, so what, why? Why are we watching the Ewoks? Because we've already oh, oh, done sorry, Star Oh, sorry, yeah, sorry, Solo's coming one, up, One, two, yes. three, four, five, six, Rogue One. We've done all the proper films uh, apart from... The Force from, Awakens. Yes, we haven't done the holiday special yet, we haven't covered that, but we need to save that for Christmas, and these we are the only other films. Clone Wars. Oh, yeah, no, we haven't, either. I forget about that. Yeah. So yeah, we wanted to do something because of Solo. Yep. And it's not a real Star Wars; it's like a spin-off. So we're we we're not doing a real Star Wars; we're doing a a, mm. a cash in. <laughs> yep. 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 Uh, Ewoks, Ewoks, one and two. Mm-hmm. So it's a little sub franchise of its own. Yep. Star Wars yep. have been doing the cinematic universe thing for a while. Well, of course, around this time, there was also an Ewoks cartoon and a Droids cartoon. It seemed to be how the brand was kept going in the 80s, that George Lucas just took it all to television, and was still very much involved in it. Was the Ewok cartoon directly linked to these films? Because I think they made it in between the two movies. I believe it's a prequel? Or maybe it's... So it's the same, the same Ewok characters? The cartoon um, okay, follows yeah, the... on from these films. No, the cartoon. Oh. No, the cartoon is set before these films. Okay. How can you tell? <laughs> <laughs> Wikipedia. Well, actually, I had to look up whether or not these films were set before or after Return of the Jedi. It turns Are they? out it's before. Before. Yeah. Ah. Uh, 
because they're learning to become mighty warriors. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah, I mean, they've, they've all got Wicket in it. He seems to be the yeah. mascot Ewok, the one played by Warwick T. Davis. If it was, <laughs> if it was set after Return of the Jedi, they'd have established like trades with with the rest of the galaxy, and it, it wouldn't be the same film, would it? It would just be no, maybe true. the Ewoks, but there's like a. A Starbucks and a McDonald's. Wicket's got a job at Subway as a sandwich artist. (laughs) It's just about him going to work but not having a very fulfilling life. But if these are set, but before if these are set before Return of the Jedi, how come they don't speak English in Return of the Jedi? Because Wicket picks up quite a vocabulary over the course of these films. Very quickly. Well, does Luke Skywalker and company speak English, or do they speak like? Star Wars language that we as an audience are just uh, oh. having translated into English for us. Well, now they speak English, it's quite clear you can hear them speak. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? Like in the Rugrats, how the babies don't actually speak English. Yeah, they do. They speak English. You've heard them. <laughs> how else would you understand what they're saying? Anyway, there's continuity issues galore. Uh, why would he? Why would Widget and Co. want to speak to them anyway? Widget. <laughs> <laughs> Sticky uh, wicket. Um, that's the sequel. <laughs> what? What? What's a sticky wicket? Is that? Well, it's that's that the uh, that's the adult version. <laughs> it's something to do with cricket, isn't it? <laughs> Well, yeah, but that's not the euphemism I was drawing. Ah. Uh, mm. <laughs> what 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 were you thinking of? Just wicket covered in like bukkake. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what you're getting well, I am at, now, Helen? Yeah. <laughs> right. So, um, um so of... do, do the do the Ewoks have penises? They must do, right? They're mam- mammalian. That fur. I don't, I don't know how they reproduce. I mean, they're, they're from a different planet. I'm sure they're not connected to life on our planet in any way. They speak English. I reckon they've got. I reckon they've got cocks and they have sex like bears on Earth, or maybe like humans. Because I reckon, I reckon they do uh, missionary, but also doggy style, depending on the mood. So I reckon they're like humans. <laughs> it's, they're like bonobos. They're they're like some of the only animals that that do both. Well, perhaps they are related to Earth bears. I mean, after we see ducks and horses and uh, chickens and other yeah. sorts of uh, real-world animals. Obviously, some these films. there's some, uh, yeah, ferret. You know, Whippet's eyes are like really bloodshot and fucked up throughout the films. <laughs> They're just They're, like, like two really plastic creepy. beads. <laughs> <laughs> Is he? Do you think he's caught something from all the sex? Is that a sexual thing? It's just like he's got some kind of. <laughs> Oh, he's always dancing around smoking on peace pipe, isn't he, in Return of the Jedi? Did <laughs> <laughs> they do that? Mm. Um, should we cover the plot a bit of these films? Because I don't think There's that many people have actually... <laughs> I think we basically <laughs> have, haven't we? Just this... <laughs> <laughs> this discussion uh, the film, definitely there's not a plot. I I, I don't <laughs> think that many people have seen these films, so I think it'd be good to give the listeners a uh, a context. Um. Of what exactly they are. Yeah, what so, are they? Because I hadn't even heard that these things existed until like <laughs> a few months ago when we were well, talking like, about. Well, like, 
like I said, George Lucas was looking to keep the Star Wars brand alive in the 80s, and he recently adopted a girl who really liked Ewoks. So that's why we have these Ewok films. Um, But So he'd done the Star Wars holiday special, right? That was before this. Well, that was more him just loaning out the rights to other people to make what they wanted to make with it. But this was an actual, like, George Lucas had his hands all over it, apparently. Okay. Because it's it, yeah, that, I was wondering about that just because it it seems odd that he would hate that Star Wars holiday special so much, but then continue trying to make TV offshoots. Um, but yeah, I guess if he was more mm. involved this time, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, but um, so he he didn't direct it or uh, yeah, I mean he came up with the story, but someone else wrote the screenplay. Mm. Um but he was very much like on set, very active. I think it might have even been shot like near the or on the Skywalker ranch in California. This is clearly not the same jungle that they shot the Ewok village in in Return of the Jedi. Um Redwoods. Yeah. <laughs> so our plot is kind of there's a family who have crash landed on the forest moon of Endor. And mm. the two kids go missing, their parents are abducted, and the two kids meet the Ewoks, and then go on a adventure of sorts, which journey. is comprised very long of... Journey. Very long Well, it felt long. And comprised. They, uh, they get all the little uh, Ewoks to help them. They sort of form yes. a kind of fellowship. To, well, they keep uh, calling it a caravan. Yeah. What yeah. what is what is a caravan to you two? Because a caravan to me is something that you <laughs> that you like load up on the back of a car. I mean, I don't because I would never stay in a caravan. But something a caravan that you attach is to like a car a, and go um, to the seaside in it's, for a night. It's like a a, a group of travellers, isn't it? Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like like um, I think I don't know where it originates, but like yeah, if you're travelling like through the desert on a load of camels. That would be a caravan, mm. you know, the, the whole group of people would be a caravan. Um, and I, I think the caravan you're referring to takes its name from from that. that oh, Because they'd have a, a, you know, a little wagon or whatever. And... But you okay. thought it came from car and van in a kind of... <laughs> <laughs> so halfway between the two, really, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, presumably van comes from caravan, right? <laughs> presumably, yeah. Does oh. car come from caravan? Mm. It's well, just, maybe. All well, words come from caravan. So, so the kids go on a bit of an adventure and they pick up some Ewok friends along the way and eventually rescue their parents from this giant monster. Um, well, rush to the end, why don't you? That's the that's the opening scene. <laughs> oh no, it's not. The giant monster is. The opening scene is the parents being like, child! Child! <laughs> ah! And then this like huge giant Ewok just like slams a club like towards them and then it cuts away <laughs> this was originally written as like a half hour thing and mm. then when they took it to the tv station they said oh well we want to do it as a tv movie to fit a two-hour slot with adverts so you need to make it an hour and a half so rather than write something more they just said yeah no problem we'll just yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then never thought about what they do to fill the extra hour and so they basically just filmed filmed a load of dwarves in bear costumes and then shoved it in <laughs> It has to be said, like, this is one of the most meandering and uh, inconsequential uh, film narratives I think I've ever come across. It's, like, hardly anything it's like really Rings, matters. isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's just astonishing, really, like, how much of it is just them 
roaming around this planet, and it, it's just, there's not even like I don't think there are any arcs, character arcs, or uh, <laughs> anything like that in there. But scenes, whole sequences are just comprised of oh, the little girl's got a cough. Oh, there's a there's a plant which we can go and get. Okay, great. Oh, there's a monster. Oh, got rid of that. Got the plant. Right, let's head back. And that and that's it, really. I think um, the closest thing to an arc is perhaps the uh, widget, wicket, wi- 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 widget, widget. What? No, is no, it's widget? wicked. It's wicked. No, it's wicked. It's Warwick. Right. Warwick. <laughs> 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 I think the closest thing to an arc is that Warwick um, and the kids like manage to to sort of properly bond and communicate by the end of it. He's just speaking English. Mm. I think that's well, their attempt at an arc. It's not really, but... I think our main character is the main boy whose name is Mace. And yeah. uh, he has a sister, Sindel. Uh, so was he named? Was he named for the great uh, Windu? May- well, who knows? Who knows? No, this is before who... that. No, no, it's no, not. it's after. In chronology. This is after that chronology. Yeah, yeah. So that'd be like naming your kid Adolf, wouldn't it? Mm. Yeah, yeah, he probably got. Yeah, they they made that name very popular because <laughs> uh, he was a hero of the uh, whatever. Anyway, now this so... kid has played. Oh, well, the, just... the, the two kids... No, let me speak. The, okay. two, <laughs> the two kids that are uh, on this journey, the, there's the boy who's like 14 or something like that, and then this mm-hmm. girl who's about eight. And so mm-hmm. she's very much the one that he's kind of having to look after and all that. So it's his story. Like, he's supposed to be the young, plucky hero. Mm-hmm. And and so in theory, it's his story we should be following. Mm-hmm. Um, although, mm-hmm. obviously, there's problems with that. Yeah, I'll say. And, and, and num- number one problem, Sol, I know you often talk about how in the uh, the adaptation of The Shining for the TV series, they cast a boy in that that you find distractingly ugly to the extent that you don't enjoy <laughs> the final product. And I never quite understood what that meant until I saw this. And this kid I forgot is just... about that kid. Yeah, he's really <laughs> fucking weird looking. He's got... Oh god, I'm gonna have to Google him now. I what he looks like. And, I finally understand what you mean now because this guy is just so distractingly unattractive <laughs> and just uh, there's something just about the whole i don't know there's just something he's not like conventionally ugly but there's just something about him that's just really off-putting and i know you often said the similar thing about the uh, kid from the shining the kid the kid who was in the shining he's got like really pronounced teeth i think he voiced gus on recess oh he did yes yes yeah, and if you if you picture Gus from Recess, what the voice actor probably looked like, that's that kid <laughs> with his big buck teeth. Yeah, he's distractingly well to look at. I can't mm. say I found this particular actor uh, um, anything at all. I, it was there's yeah. nothing interesting about him. No, he wasn't even ugly enough to be interesting. I agree, um, yeah. and he's not a good actor. Uh, I mean, I would dare say that it's not well. Perhaps he didn't have the guidance and direction that was required. <laughs> I think I think he sells the material about as well as yeah, exactly. That's it. I, I'm saying he's a bad actor, but then when you hear some of the lines that he's being asked to say, you go, "Well, how would you do that?" Well, I guess mm. so. Uh, yeah, but he doesn't come out of it well, and and the pro- part of the problem with it is that he the character is just a total dick, um, and mm. it's not like he's a dick and then he learns to like be a better person. He's just a dick, <laughs> and and he, you know, he's on this, he's on a strange planet he's never been on before, 
and he's lost his guardians. You know, he's, he's a stranger in this world. So rather than going like, oh, well, these people, these things, they're, they're helping us. He's very much like, oh, you fucking stupid little teddy bears. What do you know? I'm, I'm going <laughs> to do this. Like, what, what's mm. what, a rock? What am I going to do with that? Yeah, that's shit, isn't it? And then he's just <laughs> an arrogant little twat. Which is like, if if he'd kind of like, if that was his journey and he learned to be less of a twat, then all right. But he well, he what, has some, he, what does he learn at the end? He does bond somewhat with, they pick up this aggressive Ewok along the way. Is it Chuka Troc? They pick up Chuka Troc. And Chuka Troc. He's like the big manly, uh, he's yeah. like the tallest dwarf in the circus. He's the big Ewok. <laughs> yeah, and he, and he dies. And we have a very oh god I, emotional scene. Towards well, the yeah, I believe I believe yep, my yep. note was just throwing a badly plotted death to give a bit of pathos at the end. Completely, well, thought... uh, just sh- shameless bit of like, oh, mm. let's just stick a death in to make him have an emotional moment. Mm. Well, I wondered if he was supposed to be learning something then about like Chuka Troc's aggressive ways, you know, and not to be. Uh, uh, no, that uh, is incorrect emulated. because what happens immediately afterwards. Um, no, that's true. Is yeah, that he he, uses, an axe he, in he inherits Chuka Trucks axe, his <laughs> special Chuka throwing Truck. axe, and then has to use it to kill the bad guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know why you're laughing. That might, I mean, that might be his name. I've got no idea. It Chuka is Chuka Trucks. It's, it's completely Chuka believable. Um, I was surprised there were humans in it at all. I wasn't expecting that going in. The, the second I saw like a human child, it was like, oh, of course. I forgot mm. this is George Lucas. Like, of, of course, there's a human baby in it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I was, I was kind of hoping for something like the Minions movie or something where it's just kind of the Ewoks running around with a narrator explaining what they're doing day to day. Oh, the narrator! Oh, yeah, very because, dry narration. Well, it's not even that. It's just the fact that you have to have it. It's like that means you're yeah. not selling a story well because yeah. You're like, these mm. creatures are Ewoks. This one is eating a berry. It's like, it's the most, I, like, yeah, I agree. I, I was very it. aware that the narrator wasn't like adding anything when he was talking. It, it was all start like if you just watched it with no narration, it would have made like as much sense to a mm. any reasonable viewing uh, viewer. It, it just it didn't seem like they were offering any insight into anything. Mm. Well, I. I, I... It's probably there, I assume, because this is intended for a very low audience, and indeed, I think a lot of the sequences, like, there's not much of a narrative, and the film is very much just these ten-minute chunks that are uh, stuck together, but a lot of them are very um, sensory, in the, like, I'm talking about, like, especially the sequence with the, they encounter these, like, flying light pixies, and it is just ten minutes of them, yeah, that's what I was thinking of, because I (laughs) I thought, like, well, maybe, like, a four-year-old would be sort of entranced by this sequence, because it's Mm. just so... And my my note is that everything, it was particularly about, I think I made it after that sequence you're talking about with the glowing bug things, but it just says everything, yeah, everything goes on too long. Mm. Because every single scene just lasts like twice as long as it should have done. Oh yeah, yeah. The Ewoks, they do speak in their own language. Uh, However, they managed to do this without their mouths moving. Which I thought was quite <laughs> <laughs> And they never blink. Does, I was going to say, does Wicket ever blink? <laughs> no, really? not until Wicket the, has uh... got like 
seriously fucked up eyes in this film. Are his eyes <laughs> yeah. that fucked up in Return of the Jedi? No, they were so cute in Return of the yeah, Jedi. I don't know that's what, what I thought. He and looks like he's obviously lost that costume <laughs> to yeah. remake it on a budget. <laughs> he looks like he's got rabies or something in this film. He doesn't look right. I thought that about a lot of the Ewoks in this, and maybe it's because we'd seen Labyrinth so recently as well, but I was just thinking of like, yeah, these things, like, they... They're supposed to be cute and nice, and they're just not. It's something about He's the genuinely design. quite unnerving. I think it would scare a lot of kids in this film, Wicket. Mm. But yeah, speaking of Labyrinth, um, I have made a note here that it's not quite the Jim Henson company, is it? The uh, quality <laughs> of puppetry in this film. No, well, there's no puppetry quite... at all. It's people in masks that don't move. It, it, well, no, no there, there's a, a few monster encounters that monster yeah. in the tree, sticks his hand in that yeah. tree, and the thing grabs him. That's a- and it really <laughs> made me very um, thankful. It, like, it really made me appreciate how good a job they did on Labyrinth, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it did, actually. Yeah. And I enjoyed the... Um, there's some stop-motion sequences where the two kids are being chased by some kind of weird monster, um, and I enjoyed those in a throwback sort of way. I really hate the scene where they teach uh, Wicket to speak English. <laughs> Did that bother you, Alan? Because you got annoyed in Arrival when they were like <laughs> jumping to a few conclusions, and that film was yeah. You know, but at least Arrival job. was like supposed to be taking it seriously. I don't think this had any intention of of doing it. Because <laughs> here it was just like like the kid goes spaceship spaceship and then like moves his hand through the sky like and and wicket somehow knows that moving your hand like this means spaceship and goes oh spaceship and it's like <laughs> no like that could be a drill that could be anything it's just your hand that could mean like spaceship could mean i'm about to slap you because he's got his hand <laughs> up in the air like oh it did my head in <laughs> he knows what it means. And then he knows English. Yeah. <laughs> and it's sort of bigger bigger picture problem here, apart from that, you know, there's just nothing happening and it's shit. Uh in terms of how it's shot and like basic filmmaking concepts, it's they're just not really done very well. Like and for example, there's a scene where the boy falls into a lake or something, and for some reason the lake then is solid and you can't get anything out of it. I don't know if that's ever explained. It, I didn't no. notice if it was. It so it's, it's really, just yeah. it's just a bit of action, but but the whole point is then they have to rescue him, and he, they you know they manage to get him out, and Wicket saves the day with the magic stick. So whatever. The but my point is that. That scene just doesn't play it. I don't know if it's the way it's edited or that the score's not working in conjunction with it, or if it's just the way the, the shots they use, like they don't even have a shot of him like bursting out and going <gasps> like the final breath. It's just like mm. there's no tension to it, there's no drama. And it's like this kid's supposed to be drowning. Like at least pretend you're making an action scene if you're gonna just drop it in for no reason. And it's just basic things like that. I completely agree because I think conceptually, like some of the imagery that they're striving for is quite nightmarish. Like he's underwater and he's like banging to try and get out, but he physically like can't move. It's like there's something blocking um, mm. his exit. Uh, but yeah, it's just it isn't explained. It's just a magical land, I guess, and magic saves the day because they've got a magic stick. So why not? Well, they pick up that priestess, don't they? Um, mm. Kank is her name. <laughs> 
and she <laughs> has magic that sort of hypnotizes a spider a bit later on as well. But it's never really. Oh god, like... that spider! I forgot about that spider. <laughs> yeah, when they come across the spider and have to oh, that... go across the web. That Speaking poor of spider. top puppet work. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You just like smack it. <laughs> it's just in its home. This wild animal, and they just like climb onto its house, smack it, knock it down a, a cavern to its death. <laughs> <laughs> the audience goes, "Yay!" <laughs> yeah, it's a horrible spider. <laughs> I kill him. Um, did you notice, I'm pretty sure I heard this right, that at one point the kid called one of the Ewoks Muff Face. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, he's having a bit of an argument. He's like, I'll get off that Muff Face. I'm, I'm pretty sure that. that's what he said. I'm muff pretty sure. Face. <laughs> muff Face, yeah. Because they're furry. <laughs> yes. And the red eyes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, muff well, might not have meant what it meant, you know, what it means today, back then. Or maybe George Lucas just didn't know. <laughs> Muff seems like a particularly bit of British slang to me. It does, mm. doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, I've I've looked it up, and a a muff is a tube made of fur or other yeah. warm materials. Yeah, you put your hands in. Hands it. are placed for warmth, of course. Like yeah. mitten muff, like mitten muff. muff, like a hand muff, yeah, ear muffs, of course. Mm. So mm. that must be the definition he was going with. But in England, mm. we've we've taken that to we've jokingly used it to refer to uh, when nature does that for a woman's privates. Hmm. <laughs> anyway, um, shall we talk about Warwick Davis? As he's Sticky been wicked. he's been he's been eating out on this uh, character for f- eating 40, out forty five years now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they still call him back for Star Wars films. He's got yeah. something of a good luck charm about him. Uh, but he was still very young when this was made. I think he was still yeah, 14, teenage. Was. Yeah, something like that. Tony Cox. He's in here. He's one what of did them. you call me? <laughs> <laughs> Tony Cox uh, plays Whittle. Yeah. <laughs> Whittle. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I mean, well... I, I mean, the Ewoks are fine. Like, I, I don't see a performance of an Ewok and think, oh, God, that performer could have done better. I think they they all do a good job. Yeah. I, I just watch the Ewoks and, like, you just get the sense that they didn't have particularly good visibility inside the costumes when you <laughs> watch them running around. It's just very late. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Just to make another point about how bad this film is of uh, the story and everything. Um, when they make the fellowship of the Ewoks and they're going to go on this very long journey to save the parents, mm. they the the shaman Ewok uh, gives them these like magic totems, like mm. uh, like little like a magic walking stick, mm. and you know um, a candle that never goes out that's mm. never used for anything. Um, no, anyway, it does. so it catches those. Tinkerbell fairies, isn't it? Well, exactly. That's what I mean. It never does anything useful. <laughs> so, Good um, so, uh, um, and the the boy, uh, who is our sort of arrogant uh, twatish lead, he gets given this just a plain old dumb rock, and he's like, "Oh, this is shit. Just a stupid rock." 
Like, and he's really disappointed. And like, obviously, like, the whole point of this is going to be, well, you know, sometimes things can look very plain and simple, but they're actually extremely useful. And so I thought, all right, the rock's going to come into play later. And that kind of does happen, but he doesn't learn from that. He doesn't like, he doesn't, there's not a learning experience there where he has to go, oh, wow, I've carried this around all the time and now it's finally <laughs> come to useful because I can smash a spider in the face with it. It's, mm. it, he throws it away <laughs> because it's just a stupid rock. So then when yeah. it is needed, uh, it's Wicket who saves the day again, who he went and picked it up. And hmm. then it's not, it's not useful because it's a rock and it just so happens that this particular situation needs a rock. It's because it's got a magic thing inside it and he has to smash it open. Like, what are we <laughs> learning here? What's this? <laughs> the ugly duckling rock. What? I don't know. <laughs> they haven't thought it through at all. <laughs> yeah. No. No. But it it's, is just, it's just the most trite and banal story. I mean, it's got George Lucas written all over it. Well, I, I wonder like what the Star Wars like theatrical films had that these things didn't because he obviously has no sense of personal quality control like if he let these things <laughs> out uh there must be someone somewhere being like you know what george this is a bit crap let's not bother with that let's, just, <laughs> you know, let's nobody good nobody was saying that to george lucas in 1983 <laughs> oh yeah no that's probably true yeah, yeah. uh but yeah i mean you're the ones who say star wars is good so what do you think it's got that this hasn't uh, well, a universal, uh, relatable story of a young farm boy wanting to go and make something of himself. And <laughs> this is just as relatable because he's—they're trying to save the the family. Well, no, because I don't have to save my family. I've never been in that situation. So when we were farm boy, on <laughs> well, I wasn't a farm boy, but I, I, well, you know, I, I, I'm from Yorkshire. <laughs> There are parallels with Yorkshire and Tatooine. <laughs> Luke drank his blue milk. I drank my fish with milk. <laughs> oh, that's disgusting. <laughs> and that's, you know, the similarities there. I don't know. Star, Star Wars has cool characters and hey, exciting sequences. What about Wicket and... with his creepy dead eyes? <laughs> He's cool. <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I, I mean I'll I'll defend can... Star Wars over this. I'm not a big Star Wars <laughs> guy, but it's it, like obviously Star Wars is a like at least the first one is like a well structured story with a beginning, middle, and end, and and plot beats and stuff. It isn't just a, a sequence of events to kill time whilst we run out <laughs> the clock for the TV movie like slot that they had to fill. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I mean, the only thing in the film with any charm is Wicket, and they obviously realise that because mm-hmm. in the second film, it's basically the Wicket and little girl buddy cop movie mm-hmm. <laughs> where they go mm-hmm. around solving problems. And Super um, Wicket, who goes really quick. <laughs> the ugliest he's not, he's not a wicked. puppet they could he's possibly He's called Teeth or something like that. <laughs> he is a hideous puppet. <laughs> Yeah, it's horrible, isn't it? Um, but uh, the film tonally, this one's very different. Like, I was surprised that it opens with like the brutal slaughter of the protagonist's family. <laughs> well, it's just like yeah, like all the family from the first one, apart from the young girl, die. And yeah. which I, I mean, I just... you know how much I appreciate that in a film. I'm a big fan of Alien Three, so <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was off well, to a good then. start as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> <laughs> 
you'll enjoy Avengers Infinity War, Alan. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> I think it's a, a a brave choice to basically kill off this family unit. That well, was I think it was a choice based on actor availability. <laughs> <laughs> I did notice that we didn't see the mother's face, but the dad came back, didn't he? He was the same one, wasn't no, he? No, it's a different actor. <laughs> oh, I couldn't even tell. Uh, yeah, because in the second one, it's the guy who plays the headmaster in uh, Breakfast Club. Oh, and it's not him in the first one because I would have gone. Oh, that's the guy who played the headmaster in the Breakfast Club, and I didn't. Ah, okay. But they bring back Mace, <laughs> the young lad. He's yeah, he has for like one shot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, then, I was yeah, very these surprised invaders. that they brought the family back full stop again. I, I wasn't expecting any like continuity tie to the first film really at mm. all. But mm. yeah, yeah, I expected Wicket to come back, but that was about yeah, it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, th- this film is basically it basically opens with uh, these invaders, uh, marauders they call them, um, yeah, coming in and ransacking the Ewok village, killing a load of Ewoks and uh, killing most of the little girl's family. And the little girl and Wicket escape and meet a old man in the woods, played by <laughs> Wilfred Wilfred Brimley. And um, uh, they're, they're very. <laughs> They're very Star Warsy. These monster things that come, aren't they? It felt a lot more. Oh, I thought coherent. Planet of the Apes. The, the main <laughs> yeah, no, one they, they, I thought yeah, was yeah. like Tim Roth from yeah, the they, Tim Burton. Some of them the do Apes. really look like dodgy Doctor Zayas knockoffs. <laughs> In my um, notes, I just keep referring to Tim Roth and as the main bad guy. I could swear at the start, I made a note. I could swear one of the Ewoks goes Ewok Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, listen out for that when you next watch this film. Hmm. Little Nazi walks running around. Uh, Did Did you notice, by the way? um, Well, sorry. um, The uh, the first name in the credits uh, in both films after the cast. Did you see it was production designer? Oh, Joe Johnston. Joe Johnston. Oh, was it? uh, Yeah. First first name. Mm. Production designer was the most important person on the thing. So, yeah, yeah, it's normally music that follows uh, cast, I think. But uh, anyway, this um, is in the opening credits. I mean, yeah, but yeah, yeah, he had worked on the proper Star Wars films, whereas I don't think it was John Williams writing the music. So they probably no, it was not. <laughs> they probably like <laughs> gave him some sort of credit deal as part of like him being like yeah I'll, I'll come do this shitty tv spin-off as, uh, you know yeah keeping the feel of the original film that'd be yeah, my peter guess. peter bernstein did the music and it's it just sounds like Ooh. stock music from the 1930s is it, what i wrote down it uh, it sounds like the star trek theme tune i i've just remembered uh, it kept, oh mm. god what was it, it kept going it, it like da it just honestly it's the Star Trek theme tune I, I couldn't believe it hmm. throughout just over and over and over hmm. anyway um, so this one adds did... Wilfred Brimley to the cast uh, of The Thing fame and Diabetes <coughs> um, he's he's fun He yeah I mean he comes in and does what you need to do for that character I guess it just really feels like a TV show, um, and I guess that's just a budgetary thing. Um, but it f- and he is feels very much like a TV actor 
who mm. they haven't really done any rehearsals. He's just got sent the script. <laughs> uh, so he's coming, he knows the lines, he's a professional, but there's no real <laughs> there's no real sort of sense of what anyone's doing at any point. <laughs> can so I, all very can much I just read my, my remaining notes for this film? Mm. Are, the fucking dead eyes on that thing look all the more fucked up in this one. <laughs> And they were bad last time. <laughs> it looks like he's got a brain tumour that's burst every artery in his head and they've bled into <laughs> his eyeballs. Uh, then my note is, oh god, another toy just showed up. That'll be the super fast thing. Oh. Uh, then I've written a witch now? Because they had a witch into the <laughs> Oh, yes, yep, they got a witch. Yeah, then Dr. Zaius. Then I've mm. written, wait, the kid is a girl? Because I thought it was a boy. Um, you went through the whole first film thinking that was a boy. Yeah, a little boy. Sindel. <laughs> and I've written unicorn. Is there a unicorn in this that I've already forgotten? Uh, no, I don't think so. Well, I'd missed that if it was. I did sort of fade out by the end. Just... Oh, me too. <laughs> oh, no, no one's going to be able to answer my question about the ending then. Oh, okay. Well, I've, I've got one more note, which is all I want is the power of man's red flower. And I think that's because the, <laughs> the Dr. Zaius chimp looking bad guy at the oh. end keeps going on about how he wants uh, give me the power. the power. And I just what kept power? thinking about King Louis. Not the royal baby, <laughs> hey? Not no, that it's... one. The king. King Louis. He's better than mm. that one. That one's only a prince. Yeah. Um... Um, I, I looked up the director uh, of this uh, film, and it's two guys called Jim and Ken Wheat, who I presume are brothers, and uh, they didn't really do much directing, but they did apparently write Pitch Black. Huh. Uh, the Vin which, Diesel film. Yeah, that seems to be their biggest uh, oh. thing after this, which is obviously a long time after. They also wrote the screenplay for Apt Pupil, of course, a Stephen King novel. Um, and like they've written other things as well, but uh, I mean, what have I got here? Uh, a Nightmare on Elm Street 4. Uh, oh! And The Fly 2. Oh, so that's, that's my favourite one, The Nightmare on Elm Street 4. <laughs> it's not far off, actually. I think it. Uh, I think it might well be. Oh, that or three. Oh, the dream warrior. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Well, that's interesting. Um. I mean, I, I, I'll say that I think that this one is a much better product than the previous one. I don't know if that's yeah. just because there's more mm. action and. Well, it, it feels, feels like, like they're, someone they're wrote a script is. that was designed to fill the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It does. Well, I mean, I mean, straight away, I found this one immediately more engaging. Like, it was yeah. like, okay, there's a story here, I'm into it. Mm. And yeah, I did fade out by the end, but that was just because I was... I mean, but this, this feels like a, a film aimed at eight-year-olds, which is what it should be. And that's mm. good. Obviously, that meant I wasn't that bothered. But I think that is what it should be. And this one felt more mm. like that. Although it does start yeah. with the slaughter of the protagonist family. <laughs> and ends yeah. with a brutal slaughter of the bad guy in a sort of very graphic way. Mm, it does, doesn't it? It's very rage. Well, I don't know stomach. how or why it happens, but it happens. Oh, that was my question I was going to ask because Wicket turns <laughs> up with this gem or something. Oh, no, he throws a rock at the bad guy's gemstone. Well, the gem then... is the ring that the witch uses. It's like her magic talisman. And so he takes it off her so that she can't do any magic and escape. Um,. And so he's got it around his neck. Wicket smacks it with a, a rock or something, and that somehow triggers it into 
some sort of self-destruct process and the guy is holding it and so it burns him to a crisp. But it's not set up any earlier, is it? That Or like... explained in any way or oh, okay, <laughs> make right, any yeah, sense. Because yeah. I was like, I'm sure I missed something, but I don't have the inclination to scroll back and no, rewatch I don't anything. Think missed anything. Hmm. Uh, hmm. I mean... You, they do find they they go off basically these two little kids one's an Ewok one's a human they they have managed to escape from capture and uh, they run off into the woods they meet Wilford Brimley but before that they they find this cottage and like we don't know this yet but Wilford Brimley lives there and uh, but they go in and look oh look it's a shithole this isn't it I bet nobody lives there <laughs> maybe we can live here then if we just tidy it up a bit and like. <laughs> So they're, they're squatters, basically. <laughs> <laughs> but I did want to ask, like, Calvin, how do you feel about squatters? Oh, in general? Or... Yeah. Oh, I don't know if I want to answer this. You're going to make me out to be some kind of heartless character, which I'm not. I'm not. You just you you just hate just hate the poor and think that if you can't <laughs> if you can't pay for for shelter and food, then like maybe it's time to you know be put out of misery, <laughs> just kind of quietly <laughs> snuff them out, you know. Hmm. That's that's how you feel, isn't it, Calvin? No, no, God, no. <laughs> I, so convincing. <laughs> but I, I, you know, I, I do think if uh, you know a property isn't yours and uh, it's owned by someone else, and you're living in it without their permission, then um, you should be dragged out into the street, really, shouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm joking. I think there's some grey area. I don't know, actually, with, am I? With uh, with living in a, a an abandoned, disused property, but I think the second someone comes along and says, "Right, we we need the property back, get out," then like, yeah, fuck off. I mean, that's good yeah. etiquette, isn't it? Just to get out. Yeah, I think I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, know, like, that, if they're going to be Calvin, like, respectful you... of it as well, because so often you you see all these horror stories where people go in and trash the place, but. That's not all. All of them. Some some squatters, you know, just just like Alan, basically, isn't he? That's what he does. Yeah, I mean, I'm like, I'm like a middle class squatter. Yeah, Alan. Are. Alan pays like a couple of hundred quid to squat in the, <laughs> an old school or something. <laughs> like, it's basically the same. That's it. They, they put people like me in to to stop squatters because <laughs> oh. then it's an occupied building. You see, you can't you can't get squatters. Oh, ah, no squatters very around. good. Oh, Although cool. there does seem to be people sleeping in the hallways and stuff. Oh. <laughs> Just homeless people, you know. <laughs> do you ever do you, do you have to move them along? <laughs> I don't get involved, no. <laughs> <laughs> but, but sometimes I'll come up uh, th- through the corridor to my flat and there's just a couple of people there, like dealing drugs or something. <laughs> like, just they, they come up to the, like, the quiet sp- spaces where no one's around. It's like. Mm. No, oh, well, the local children play ball games outside. Even though there's and a there's sign, a sign that, that says no ball games, and they they bounce the ball off the sign. They're taking the piss. <laughs> there is. <laughs> they do. Very annoying. Um. Anyway. Uh, so I do really, you know, I really like Wilfred Brimley. I think he's just he's what was missing from the first film. Some kind of likable human presence. Uh, yeah. And I kind of like what they tried to, because obviously Sindel's lost her family, and she has this sort of makeshift unit going with him and Wicket, uh, and Wilfred yeah, Brimley has nice and, delivery. 
And uh, and the setup is that he's like this grumpy old man, and so when he finds these kids, he's like, "Get out of here, you kids!" And then actually, mm. he's like, "Oh, I wonder if they're all right." And they, but he can't bring himself to say that, so he has to pretend like he's a gruff old man. Um, yeah. And it's, and then they sort of melt his heart as they go along. But and it, and it's a nice, it's a nice bit of business, and for a film of this level, it's fine. It's a nice. But it is, it's a nice. <laughs> Not that. Right, <laughs> okay, but um. But it, it is done very clunkily, and it's not smooth, mm. and it's just that's just down to kind of not particularly great writing, not particularly great direction, and it's just mm. sort of not. It's just not great. It's not very good. Mm. Like the ingredients are there, but yeah. Mm. I'll tell you what is great: Wilfred Brimley having his Rambo moment and having to like, you know, fasten up his jacket, <laughs> and they do all the close-ups of him like. Getting ready to go out with his stick to go and fight the main bad guy—that's pretty g- great. And they get him to put—they get him to put a hat on so that when they have to bring the stunt double in, they don't have to like shave the top of his head. <laughs> yeah. Um. So there is one completely intolerable scene in the entire film, and one. it's uh, well, I I, th- I say one completely intolerable, uh, and it's the bit when Sindel sings her song. <laughs> oh, like that is Jesus just Christ! Was there the any worst. point to that? I can't remember. There's, there's a whole, there's, oh, there's a scene where they make, uh, they, they're all making music, and she's dancing around, and and uh, Wilford Brimley's like playing a flute or something. You got the yeah. other little, the, you've got the toothy thing, just holding some panpipes kind of near its mouth, and then <laughs> Wicket is just like randomly hitting things. But then, whenever it goes off him and he's not on screen, it's like this nice bit of percussion beat. That when it goes onto him and it has to match up with what he's actually doing, it suddenly goes out of rhythm and there's no sense to it at all. Uh, <laughs> uh, but it's yeah, he, he gets protege. I'm sure the luxury of mixing that. But yeah, she sings this song that her mum used to sing to her, and it, and I thought it was going to like be relevant at some point, but. <laughs> It wasn't, was it? Yeah, well, I I think it's an important scene because they actually deal with how it feels to lose parents, uh, or they touch upon it anyway. Like, earlier on in the film, I don't really know what the whole Star Wars uh, mythology attitude is towards death, because Yoda's like that in Revenge of the Sith, if you remember, where uh, I think, uh, who's he saying? Mourn them not, miss them not, about, I think, Anakin, when he's uh, upset about his mum being dead, Basically, the Jedi attitude is to, ah, just get on with it, it's fine. And Wicket has that mentality earlier on in this film where he's trying to comfort Sindel and he's basically saying, oh, well, it's all right that they're gone, you've got us. We're your family now. <laughs> well, <laughs> well they... it's not very comfortting, thank you. Yeah, but yeah, they have Wicket irrefutable is kind of proof a... of an afterlife in the Star Wars universe with all the mm. Jedi ghosts. I don't know, yeah, real, but the so... Jedi, they have, the Jedis have this proof, but I think we discussed this before, the Jedi is sort of a cult religion that everyone thinks of wackos, aren't they? Well, that's why Yoda doesn't care, isn't it? Mm. Well, no. I mean, Qui-Gon Jinn was the first Jedi to learn how to uh, create you know, a force ghost of himself. So, there's actually very few of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's in some of the deleted material for Revenge of the Sith. (laughs) What? Why? (laughs) (laughs) No. Anyway, how, how does that come up in that? Oh, I don't even know. Because <laughs> no, he goes, about... he goes, ooh, Anakin, I'm here to help you. Ooh. <laughs> By the way, I'm the first to do this. Pretty good, isn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah. Shall we? Um, shall we rate these films? 
Yeah. Yes. I would give the first one a two Ooh. and the second one four. Ooh. Well, that, I mean, I went three, five, so I guess we're on the same mm. sort of trajectory okay, yeah, there. Yeah. I, I've, I've gone three, four. But no. I, I'm surprised. I, I'm surprised you're the most uh, critical of the lot, Calvin. I thought you'd be sort of more forgiving of these. But it's nearly unwatchable. Is is this the f- finally? Have we found a sequel that's better than the original? Because <laughs> Aliens isn't. Godfather Part Two isn't. They're the classics yeah, that are always put up. No, it's not. You're it wrong. is way better than the first one. No, it's not. Godfather Three is. Yeah, Godfather 3. They just get better as they go on, the Godfather. <laughs> James Bond... Well, they don't really count, I guess. That's more of a series than a... Why, yeah. Sequel. What are you on about? Well, a sequel implies that there's some more connection, I guess. Like, I wouldn't call the James Bond films sequels. I wouldn't say that Goldfinger is a sequel to From Russia With Love. I'd say it's just another well, it chapter in a series. Uh, yeah. Oh, it's literally a sequel to From Russia With Love. That's what it is. Mm, okay. Well, James Bond, it's, it's then. It's not maybe. even... If you're going to make a distinction about, like, chapters in a series, that would be, like, like Lord of the Rings 1, 2, 3. Or yeah, chapters, chapters of are one bad story James just Bond's like, it's, just it's, like, right, we've made one. Should we do another? Yeah, what should we do this time? Uh, new story, all right. Mm, mm, true, true. So, uh, speaking of sequels, obviously they didn't make a third one of these. I guess that I can imagine that they probably would have kept on going had George Lucas had the inclination to do so. But uh, the Star Wars brand sort of, well, yeah, the Star itch. Wars, the Star Wars brand sort of petered out a bit in the late eighties, early nineties, and the content really wasn't being made, and the brand wasn't kept alive. So, if we were to do a third Ewok film. What would it be? I would like a direct sequel to Return of the Jedi. Uh, You'll have to remember I want to fill in the. In that. <laughs> they think that C three PO is their king. Oh yeah. yeah is that, oh yeah. Is that okay, ever like addressed that. in the film? Does that ever like conclude the whole C three PO bit? I can't quite remember. No, and that's where what I would like to yeah. fill in. I would like to know how did he escape them and get to the different planet in next time we see him in the Force Awakens. I uh, think yes. I think <laughs> Wicket helps him escape. I think they'd, they'd make him into a prisoner, but Wicket's the good one, and he helps him. So you you end up with a buddy, buddy cop kind of not buddy cop, but like a, a buddy movie of yeah. C-3PO Wicket has Wicket. to be the hero, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. Mm, mm. Helping, and it's, we... like, it's like a prison escape movie. Mm. C-3PO and Wicket. And mm. they... Do you think, I think we should uh, write out Luke, Leia, Han, yeah, because yeah, we, we can't afford any them. of them. We're, we're get... still doing a TV budget here, I, I think. Oh, no, yeah. this is this is a Star Wars, this is Wicket, a Star Wars story. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> <laughs> so are we going to have flashbacks to his childhood? Uh, he is sort of, a you know, child, still in his, his childhood. <laughs> Yeah, this is his childhood before he becomes down the line. He can oh. become like seasoned like war vet general Wicket, who the Ewoks look to for guidance. But <laughs> yeah. hmm, oh, okay then, right. So we're going all out, all out with the budget. We can definitely afford uh, Anthony Daniels to come back as C three PO. Then that's good. Mm-hmm. 
We'll have a cameo from R2-D2. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then the uh, others, we basically it starts with all the other guys leaving on a ship, and they go, "All right, C three PO, you have to stay here because they think you're a god." But thanks, cause a quick distraction while we get away. But <laughs> we just see like them in a distance in the back of like Harrison Ford's head because it's not really Harrison Ford. <laughs> um, and then, and then R two D two because we can have him. It's not Kenny Baker, but it's just a, a bin, and they put some beeping noise over it so they can afford that. <laughs> And, they, and then he goes, oh, okay, R2, I'll, I'll keep these little furry chaps occupied while you go and... Uh, you will send help, won't you? <laughs> um, and then uh, that's the starting point. Brilliant, brilliant. So they all go away and C-3PO's left with the Ewoks. Uh, he's going to have to be exposed at some point because they think he's a god because Luke makes him fly on his chair in Return of the Jedi, so they think he can levitate and has these powers. So they have to expose him at some point as not actually having these supernatural powers. One uh, of the big monsters from these films comes and attacks the little Ewok village and he, he has mm. to like be the new sheriff who he stands up <laughs> to but but he's yellow. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so so the Ewoks lose faith in him after half their village is destroyed. Yeah. And the monster's gonna come back and finish the job. So they put him in Ewok jail. But it's too small for him. And his head's sticking out of the top. No, they put his bottom half in one cell and then his top half in the other. <laughs> he should go on a journey to like retrieve some MacGuffin that will allow him to actually save the town and save the Ewoks mm. and be a, actually be a hero. Yeah, maybe he has to go and find Kank, the <laughs> Ewok priestess, because she's got magic. Maybe she's a Jedi. Mm. Oh yeah, so she, he, no, no, right. So they at first is just trying to escape, and then he falls into accidentally falls into like having to help them. Um, so you see, he falls then, into a kind of lake, but it's all hard. <laughs> but then he meets up with the priestess, and she like agrees to use a bit of magic to make him look magic, so they believe he's a god again, because that's the only thing that'll give them the confidence to fight the monster, mm. if they think they've got a god on their side. And so they have to make him appear as a god. She is in this bottle of like potion, but then <laughs> at the end of the film, one of the Ewoks drinks it and goes, well, it's just water. The power was inside <laughs> you all along. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, we've mm. already got more plot than that first film did, so I think we're right. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should have a narrator again. I agree. But it's R2-D2 we get Wilfred Brimley back as the narrator. I think we should get Werner Herzog to narrate <laughs> it, like one of his documentaries. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, let's just do Grizzly Man. <laughs> but it's C-3PO, and he's going... <laughs> Oh, he's a big Ewok. Look at him. <laughs> C-3PO's life would have been so different had he gotten the role of uh, Woody on Cheers. We, we don't even need to get Werner Herzog. We can just use his narration from Grizzly Man. Just cut it over the top. And, and C-3PO keeps filming himself going, you know, it'd be easier if I was gay, but I'm not. <laughs> and women just don't like me. <laughs> Oh, that's <laughs> the thing is, the though, film. I'd I'd want to hear the tape yeah. of where uh, C-3PO yeah. gets mauled by a, a big <laughs> by <monster>. Wicket. 
<laughs> no, I guess the wicket would be like one of the friendly bears that he's friendly with. Yeah, um, Sergeant Brown. But you, you got, you've got to have a sense that at any, at any moment they could just decide to turn on him and rip his face off. Just That's how it feels bored. watching the Ewok movies as they are, with those creepy <laughs> little rat face like <laughs> costumes. Well, do bear in mind, I mean, they were going to eat Luke and Han and Chewbacca and R2 in the Return Quite of the right. Jedi, their first appearance, yeah. Oh, fair enough. So they are not they are against eating humans. Well, C-3PO isn't a human. Mm. Well, neither is R2-D2, but they wanted to eat him all the same. No, they were going to use like the him idea as a that... cooking pot. Hmm. Yeah. I'd, I'd watch any of those. Yeah, we've, we've come up with two very solid pictures there. Hmm. Um, and that's more than these two films had, so... <laughs> I'm surprised well. that there never has been some kind of mockumentary wildlife Ewok thing. Maybe some fans have made it <laughs> like somewhere. David Attenborough but... narrated. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Solo's coming out. I, uh, hasn't had all that much... I don't know if it's just because... We're still currently at time of recording in Avengers Infinity War hype. I was gonna say, and I, I haven't. Why would anyone go watch Solo when you could go watch Avengers for like the fifth time? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's uh, yeah. I'm curious to know if the hype machine's gonna kick in and in the next mm. couple of weeks because are they a little bit worried about it? Are they a bit worried about bigging it up because it's going to be shit? I th- I do. It's difficult to not read that into it. It's definitely had a troubled uh, life, hasn't it? Yeah. An almost unprecedentedly troubled production, in fact. Like mm-hmm. so this is Francis like Ford films, Coppola levels. Yeah, <laughs> film films often have you know reshoots and troubled productions. It's not even that unheard of to bring in a new director um, mm. after pretty, filming pretty to kind unusual, of reshape it. But that's it. Even that's like about as far as it normally gets. They, yeah, but, but they didn't. Case, want, it wasn't like um, oh, the director's not available. We need to do like three, four days of reshoots. This was like a complete overhaul wasn't it in this case mm. they fired the direct the directors during filming literally <laughs> during the shoot and like i think to... like more than half of the yeah. film had been shot at that point as well there was yeah. only something like four weeks left on the yeah. schedule and they so didn't even do that on super is... mario brothers <laughs> <laughs> that's why this is like just unheard of it just doesn't happen but yeah they they fired um phil lord and chris miller who are comedy directors really i found it baffling that they ever got behind the director's chair in the first place if they unless they had like such a clear vision and such faith in them as directors you know like they pitched something and said look we're such big fans this is exactly how we're going to do it and they they thought wow amazing from the sounds of it they just went in and said hey we're phil lord and chris miller we're going to do what we do on everything and prat about and then they were doing that on set and <laughs> kathleen kennedy was like whoa what are you doing and they were like we're doing the film that you hired us to make and she was like oh no i don't know about that and uh it's just baffling i, I don't know how it happened i don't mm. know how it got to the point that it got to before they turned around and sacked them and because apparently they were they were getting very improv heavy with their direction, which is you know how you'd approach a comedy. You do like loads of takes and say, "All right, Will Ferrell, yeah. give us twenty versions of that." Scene. It's essentially the same joke, but with different yeah. words. <laughs> um, but then that the other thing is, I can't I can't imagine this film was ever going to be a full on comedy either. It's Star Wars; they're mm. not. 
it took Marvel about 15 films to feel comfortable basically getting to that point themselves. And they've always been a lot more comedic than Star Wars was to begin with. Um, it is curious that they would hire someone like Lawrence Kasdan, who, you know, co-wrote Empire Strikes mm. Back and The Force Awakens and get him to do a script, hire Chris Miller and uh, Tim Lord, and then, as you say, get annoyed with them for doing what you would expect them to do and kind of, yeah, go off on tangents from the script and improv a bit. I hear that that was where a lot of the tension came from because yeah. Lawrence Kasdan, they shipped him over to Pinewood, apparently, to supervise the filming and they felt like he was being sort of like a, a director above them and he was reporting back to Kathleen Kennedy and there's all this... Mm. You know, it's all rumours and stuff. I don't know if we'll ever yeah. hear more you know, of the truth if there's, if there's ever, like, a Watts and All DVD documentary. But it's, apparently, um, yeah. what's his name? This Alden... is exactly the sort of thing that a Kickstarter docu- like fan documentary will be made, like, in mm. ten years' time. But Yeah. yeah. But, but yeah, apparently Alden Ehenrich? I don't know how you pronounce his name. Sorry, Alden. Is that uh, the, but the, guy that the got... new Han? Yeah, apparently he got, like, acting lessons. <laughs> like, they were basically sending him to acting school, like, during filming. And that's not a great idea. Well, but then he, he done before? I think he done anything? He's done stuff. I've seen him in stuff, but I can't remember exactly what. I think he has a bit of a thankless task, because no matter how yeah. good an actor he is... Like, I don't think Harrison Ford is actually that great an actor. He's not. But he just all. has this natural charm and charisma that comes across like him as Han Solo him as Han Solo, he doesn't really act, he's just sort of doing his usual shtick and to emulate that, which is such a um, a natural built in thing and I I think this guy based on the trailer I think this guy does come across quite Han Solo-y I think that the lead actor, to me, seems to be one of the least of its worries, really. He, he, he seems mm. like a certainly Star Trek reboot level take on Han Solo. Um, mm. yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I just can't I just can't wrap my head around what they thought this film was going to be. And then, of course, they brought in Ron Howard to uh, do cleanup duty. Ron Howard mm. being one of the... Um, and and I don't mean this in a disparaging way, because I, I quite like Ron Howard's body of work for the most part, although he has made some <laughs> shit. Uh, and I do mean that in a disparaging way. But <laughs> but um, he's a very generic, safe pair of hands. He's a hired gun. They've brought him in as a hired gun. He doesn't really... He's never struck me as a, a real, you know, visionary director. Uh, so I think... And we've talked about this with Spielberg. I'm not putting him on Spielberg's level, but he plays by the rules. He he will deliver a, a mainstream film, but he does bring it a, a notch above. He does do something yeah. better than a hack standard director. Oh yeah, he's not a hack at all. He's a very good, you know, pair of hands. I think he's just a very vanilla in terms of he, he's not. You know that the flavor of this film is going to be Star Wars through and through. It's they. It just seems like they hired the safest guy they could, rather than to to fix mm-hmm. things and bring it in and make it make sense yeah. instead of going. You know, oh, we're going to hire um, this up and coming guy from yeah. some little. Well, if you if you're going to yeah Edgar bring Wright someone in or, to sort things or, out, you need someone with experience, don't you? 
Yeah, yeah. But even then, <clears> you know, course, it, it's not like they went for Martin Scorsese or Tarantino. You know I mean, they, they've they've not gone for an auteur. That's kind of what I'm getting at. They've mm. gone for a very. Mm. They've gone for someone who's gonna make the film more generic and make it less have yeah. less of its own yeah. personality. I think consciously. I think that's kind of what they're they're trying yeah, yeah, to neuter yeah. what was being made, basically. And, and of course, Ron Howard made Cocoon, uh, starring Wilfred Brimley. So, do you think they might ah. might bring him in? <laughs> Little cameo. Ah. Look, it's the old man from Endor. Ron Howard's also an excellent narrator. If we need uh, <laughs> some narration to like make everything make sense. <laughs> Mm. Well, you know what Ron Howard always brings to a film? Clint Howard. <laughs> he's in He's in Solo. He's done it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it's going to be very interesting watching the film and it, whether the, the seams are visible. Yeah. Like, whether you can tell yeah. what is the Chris Miller stuff and what is the uh, Ron Howard mm. stuff. I'm going to be very, very interested to see. I'm sure it'll work as a cohesive whole. I'm pretty sure they're not going to put out an inferior product. I, I think at worst it'll be below average. Yeah, I, I think at worst it'll just be a very generic, forgettable film um, mm. where you can see a lot of the cracks showing. But I can't... I, I just can't see it being anything particularly special or memorable or good. I think had it gone mm. full comedy with, with Lord and Miller at the helm, it might have surprised everyone and being enough of its own thing that it might have just worked although even then like i I can't fathom what they were doing being more comedic than an average marvel film like i can't imagine it was even as comedic as a taika watiti like marvel film i I think (laughs) Mm. they probably would have just made a very light-hearted star wars with jokes in it and that would have Mm. seemed weird and in Congress, in of itself, and hmm, I think it'd be very interesting to see what Lucasfilm announce next because mm. at the time of recording, there is no other Beyond Episode Nine. There is nothing else announced, like with Ooh. a concrete not entirely. release date. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, they they've announced Ryan Johnson's trilogy oh. of um, spin-off Star Wars films that haven't got anything to do with the Skywalker saga. They're, like, officially... Yeah, they've also announced the Game of Thrones guys trilogy of films that are gonna be separate, and they've, they've announced quite a few of these. Oh, we're bringing that person to write a new saga. Mm. Uh... Because so much of what they've been doing now has been focused on the original trilogy yeah. characters, and I think they're feeling like they need to break away. Which I, I think's um, quite right, to be honest. Like, if, if they want this to have legs beyond the next five years, um, mm. they can't, because all these spin-off films so far are just kind of cannibalizing the, the Skywalker saga, and mm. if, if they want Star Wars to be a fully-fledged cinematic universe which it you know i guess it does have the potential for it it needs to have mm. s- separate stories that aren't um part of that and yeah, but that depends on what star wars is to you like star wars to me is the skywalker saga yeah. that's uh, that's all i've ever been given really uh apart from these ewok films but <laughs> i largely mm. agree um and i i'm not convinced audiences are going to take to this um as well as they might. 
I'm not convinced it's going to work. But I think from a business point of view... What about the other one? Rogue One. Yeah, but Rogue One's an offshoot of the Skywalker mm. story, isn't it? I think the, the idea is that these... Well, this is Han Solo. He's in the Skywalker story. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. The idea is they're going to make films that aren't, I think. Like I say, I'm not, I'm not convinced I'm going to be into it. I'm not convinced it's going to be that popular a move with general audiences even, but I'm sure it will make money and it makes sense from a business point of view. If they make the films mm. well enough and make good films, it'll work. That's, you know, that's all Marvel have done, really, is they've made predominantly very good films within their 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 universe and branding and that's why it's done so well for mm. them because they've like Pixar they've built up a, a kind of seal of, of quality around their brands and oh dear well is that enough yeah enough I think Star so. Wars talk how low can you go Calvin Calvin what? yeah how low can you go? Uh, so low. Uh, <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> oh, I like that. Oh, <laughs>